Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Dr. Katina Sawyer, and welcome to Thriving at Work, a Worker Being podcast. You can learn more about us on our website, workerbeing.com, on social media, or you can support our community. You can find out more about our community at workerbeing.com slash community. So today we are going to be talking about the power of communication. Usually we talk about articles that take place only in a workplace context. This is a little bit of a different uh, thing because I saw an article that I thought was really interesting that's just broadly about how communicating with others in your life, both inside or outside of work, uh, can improve your health. And so we're going to be learning how to capitalize on those communications. Um, but before we do that, my question for you is, what is the most frequent mode of communication that you use to contact others in your life? And who would you say is the person that you talk the most to? Hmm. I mean, I think it's kind of cheating to say, you know, my husband, because <laughs> like he's <laughs> no, here. It's not. So I do talk to him not. the most. Um, definitely talk to him the most and just actual speaking to him since we live in the same home. Um, yes. That's probably number one. If I think about like work, I mean, I work remote. So everything that I do communication wise for work is virtual in some form or fashion. And we have like chats and um we actually use zoom so it's like zoom chats and as well as zoom video calls um so that's probably the, my most common mode of communication at work and then outside of danny i'd probably say my mom might be the next person i talk to the most and i talk to her on the phone the most um but we also have like a family chat that's text um my goodness i don't know what a like i don't know who actually gets yeah i don't know what would actually come second after like you know, the person that lives in the house with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting because, um, once I started thinking about communications myself too, I realized that there are lots of kind of running communications that happen where mm -hmm. there's like ongoing text chains, but there are certain people who I don't talk to very much by phone or zoom, but I talk to a lot by text. So we have mm -hmm. a group text of friends that goes like pretty much all day, every day. Um, and so, uh, not that we're all just texting on it all day, but like it never like ceases for long periods of time, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. so I talk to folks in that quite a lot, but then I would say, you know, obviously there are people who I talk to more face to face, Brendan being the main person. And then my mom, I talk to on the phone, but don't really text a lot. So I think it's like whatever the mode of conversation is that we're used to or whatever our like norm is, that's how we've continued. But I feel like I then talk about different things because with my mom, I'll just tell her random stuff that come up, comes up. Whereas through text, I tell people more like specific, like this funny thing happened or like send a meme or something like that. But it's not just like trying to think of things that you want to say that sometimes are just like kind of pointless. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. And it's funny because I think we, you and I are similar in the sense that we like talk to our moms, like probably more than people our age normally would. Um, and I think that the same thing. It's like I talk to my mom like pretty much every day on the phone and it is always like, you know, maybe what happened that day, but like a lot of just really random things that like pop into right. our brains um, and less text. Like there is definitely some texts, but my mom and probably your mom is similar. It's like that's not her go to. So she will call me even if it's like a question that could have easily been asked via text. Mm -hmm. um, but there's other people, like you said, that I text way more than I talk to on the phone. Like I rarely talk to them on the phone. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting, and I think that all of uh, 
I think that all of these modes of communication can be helpful. I'm gonna talk a little bit more about which ones might be a little more helpful than others. Um, but yeah, the, the main kind of takeaway or theme for today is that communication is good. Um, but I'll break down just the big um, kind of key takeaways surrounding that because I think probably you would guess that not being isolated from other people or having some social interaction as human beings is a positive thing. Um, but what this um, article suggests and sort of the three main things that I want you to take away, the first is that all communications are not created equal. Um, there are some communications with certain people that are more beneficial for your health than others, depending upon who it is. The second takeaway is that there are particular types of communication that have been shown to decrease stress compared to others. Hmm. And the last is that you need to make sure that you're engaging in some form of communication, but more communication is better and face-to-face -face is more helpful than not. So, um, so frequent face-to-face -face communication is the most beneficial of um, communications, but there's all different ways of communicating within that that we'll talk about. Interesting. Well, I'm really excited to hear more about like the deep dive in these takeaways because I feel like this is, like you said, kind of a topic area I don't know as much about. So I'm excited to hear about it. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll go back to the first takeaway, which is around it depends on who you're talking to. So there's a theory that this article uses, and that's very popular apparently in communication literature, which is called the communication bond belonging theory. And that theory basically suggests that even though communicating with other people takes energy, it also gives us a boost of positive feelings and that those mm -hmm. positive feelings are specific in fulfilling a need that we have to belong and connect with others. And so in order for us to have a meaningful life, we actually need these positive connections or else we start to feel very isolated and depleted and like basically not human. Um, the less we feel like we bond with others, the less we feel like a human being. But while that's important to know, um, you can't just like go out onto the street and say hi to a random stranger and ask about the weather in order for that need to be fulfilled. Really, mm -hmm. communication bond belong um, theory suggests that in order for the communication to serve the purpose that we need it to serve, you need to feel like the person that you're communicating with is important to you in some way. So it could be a friend, it could be a family member, a colleague, but you need to actually have some like caring about what that person thinks of you, that person's role in your life. Something about that person has to be important to you. So um, mm -hmm. you can think about this. I actually was thinking about, um, you know, people who experience extreme loneliness and, you know, you might see um, somebody, even, even with regard to homelessness, let's say, where, you know, interactions that people have are really fleeting and mostly with strangers. That's not actually fulfilling that human need. So you could say, hey, I talked to a hundred people today, but all I said was hi, and I'm never gonna see that person again, it won't work to fulfill the need. You actually need to feel that that person is important to you, that you're communicating with. Um, like calling customer service is not gonna fulfill that need for you. It's not just the act of talking to someone, it's about talking with someone for the purpose of building a relationship. So mm -hmm. anyone for whom building a relationship is important, those are the people that actually help you fulfill that need. So it's, you can't just say at the end of the day, how many people did I talk to? You have to say, how many people did I have a conversation with that actually mattered to me? Got it. So it's all about that 
that meaning and that relationship building. So you mentioned like colleagues kind of is included here, right? So it's people that you want to have a relationship with or need to have a relationship with that's important for some reason, whether that's because you care about them because they're a family member, because, you know, you want to do well at work and you're interested in like building that team culture at your company. Mm -hmm. Um, Those types of things are really important in terms of having that kind of communication to satisfy the need of feeling connected to another person. Yeah, exactly. So it can't just be, uh, you know, a one-off or a quick, I I mean, it's kind of interesting because I was thinking about this and I was like, well, what about like a conversation that you have with a barista at your favorite coffee shop? Like that conversation actually over time could become meaningful to you because you might be building a relationship with that person as someone that you Mm -hmm. see often, you might learn things about their life. So it's not that like, those sorts of interactions can't turn into something. But if it's like, you know, you're counting an interaction that you have with someone you know you're never going to see again, you shouldn't count that. That won't be something that actually leads to uh, improved well-being for you. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So the next part of this is that there are certain types of communication that the research shows decrease stress. And the good news is there are tons of these types of communications. (laughs) There are seven of them. Um, So I'm not going to list them all out because you probably won't remember seven things, but I'll just talk through the different forms of communication that research shows decreases stress. Now, um, it's not just stress that goes down. Um, In some studies, they've also shown that anxiety is is reduced here. Feelings of loneliness are reduced. And um, you feel a greater connectedness to yourself and to others. So feelings of belonging are also increased. So um, stress is the most consistent outcome that's associated with engaging in these um, forms of communication with people who are important to you that you're building a relationship with. But there are also other potential benefits that are less consistently found but may um, arise for you. Um, So these seven forms of communication, the first is really easy. Asking someone how their day went and sharing how your day went. So that's called catching up and or how how did your day go yesterday <laughs> or how are you doing? So literally just a conversation about how are you doing? They tell you how they're doing. You tell them what's going on with you. That It's as basic as that. That decreases your stress if you have that conversation with someone that's important to you. That makes so much sense. I just think about all the times that you catch up with people, especially like with COVID or, you know, having friends and family like living very far apart. Um, I feel like when you finally have a moment when you sit down and catch up with everybody, it's like you just feel so good afterwards, right? Yeah. Um, Yes. You know, even we had our little uh, Penn State friends chat the other day, like something like that is just so nice catching up and hearing everyone's doing. Totally agree. And and so um, there is actually a science to that. And interestingly enough, if you're, you know, in a relationship, we both mentioned our husbands here, that end of the day, like how did your day go or as you're eating dinner or whatever, actually gives you that boost uh, to your wellness. So um, it's not meaningless to just like recap your day. It actually does help. Um, The next thing is humor, using humor. So sharing a joke with somebody, um, telling someone something funny that happened to you that day, um, listening to something, someone else talk about something funny that happened to them. Um, This counts like memes Uh, Things like that. (laughs) I was about Um, to say. (laughs) Yeah. So like sharing humorous content, um, that also helps to um, create and build relationships between people because um, they're sharing a laugh with each other and getting to understand more about the other person's sense of humor. So in that instance, um, just simply sending a funny meme to someone 
actually does something for you. Um, it's better to have an in-person like sharing of a story. Um, I'll talk about a little bit later, but just that little connection through humor is another way that you can decrease your stress. Hmm. It's funny that you're saying that in person is better because I'm just thinking about like we have a like a small group DM in Instagram where we send like funny things in Instagram. Yeah. And uh, but what's what's funny about it is like Danny and I are both on it. And when we're sharing things with people that are on the chat that are not co-located with us, we will go to each other and be like, hey, look at this thing and like share it together, (laughs) but then send it to everybody else. So it's like, right. um, So we do do that like kind of in person. So you get a little bit of both. Right. But it's like almost I mean, he in particular is really funny about it. Like he always wants to watch my reaction to the meme or the the video or whatever that he sent. Um, But I bet that has something to do with it. Right. Is like. Just mm-hmm. even just seeing how the other person reacts to the thing that you think is funny does give you some information about them. Yeah, definitely. And it helps you to build your relationship because you've like laughed about something, you share something. Like it's those little things that help you to be like, oh, I like this person. I'm friends with this person. I care about this person, right? So, um, so that makes a difference. Those are sort of more like what they're calling like surface level ways of connecting. You can also connect in more meaningful ways with people. So another stress-reducing way of communicating is by bringing up an issue or something important to you that's happening in your life and talking about it with that other person. So like, hey, I have to talk with you. Um, I want to tell you about something that's important to me or I want to discuss this important issue, like even like a current event or something like that. Having a conversation with someone about something that you find meaningful can be helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, Similarly, telling another person that they're meaningful to you is another way of communicating that decreases your stress. So telling a person that they mean a lot to you um, or complimenting them on their positive Mm -hmm. attributes can also build meaningful relationships. So um, it's not just about, you know, hey, this is important to me and I want to talk about it with you, but it could also be, I want to express that you're important to me or I want to express that I really appreciate this particular aspect of you. Both of those uh, types of communication that are sort of more other oriented are also helpful for decreasing your stress. I could see that. You definitely get those like warm fuzzies if you share how you feel with somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last two are sort of related to um, listening to other people. So one is getting advice from Hmm. someone. So you could sort of get like a one-two combination if you're like, hey, something really important to me is going on. I'm going to tell you what that is. And now I'm going to ask you for your advice on it. Getting advice from people and uh, feeling connected because like you're validating their advice and thinking hard about how they can help you um, helps to bond people together. And so asking for advice, as long as you're not going to be like, that's terrible advice. And then it turns into like a negative (laughs) conversation. Um, If you're getting advice from someone and then validating them, that's really helpful. And um, just listening to someone else talk actually counts as meaningful communication and helps to decrease your stress as well. So if it's someone that's important to you and they're telling you about something that's important to them, just merely listening can be helpful and, and counts as communication, even though we wouldn't necessarily think of that as active communication. Listening counts. That's interesting. I mean, it makes sense because it has to be kind of communication regardless has to be two way in some way. And so you have to listen too. And if you're listening to someone else's challenges or issues, then you're still connecting with them, even if you're not doing the majority of the talking. Um, yep. And it also is nice because it's kind of like a nice reminder for folks that it's not always about you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, basically the main takeaway is that there's this 
bond belonging. And so um, you're creating a bond if you care about the person that you're with and you see this as more long lasting. And anything that helps to build belonging between the two of you, whether that's their feelings of belonging with you or your feelings of belonging with them, tends to amplify this effect. So those are the those are the sort of ways of communicating. That doesn't mean that there aren't other ways of communicating that could also be helpful, but those are the ones that research has tested and shown to be related to boosts in your well-being. So um, mm -hmm. hopefully that's helpful in understanding what uh, kinds of communication you can engage in. Um, so it sounds like just to recap, it's like basically talking with someone about that you care about about your day or in their day, catching up. There's like, you talked about um, talking about things that are important to them or situations, issues going on, news, what have you. Humor. Uh, you mentioned the uh, like telling someone how you feel about them. Mm -hmm. And then the final ones are really about listening to advice or listening just in general to the other person. Yeah, you got it. Yep. All of okay. those okay. are shown to form meaningful bonds. And when you're doing those activities with someone that you care about, that fulfills this human need that the communication bond belonging theory says we all need. Perfect. Okay. That helps. Yeah. So the last thing I think sort of has like a, um, a silver lining, but also maybe like a try to push past just the minimum. The good news is that when they compared people who had had zero of these interactions in a day versus people who had one of these interactions in a day, there was a significant decrease in stress. So just one of these interactions per day makes a difference. Um, so it's not that you need to do anything wild to get a little bit of a boost. Just one of any of those things that we just talked about um, will be helpful. But there was a continued positive return on the more communications people had. So people who had more of these interactions with other people tended to have increasingly decreased stress, right? So they um, kept they kept um, getting benefits from it the more communications they had. So um, a tip that I shared in this week's article on the blog that seemed to resonate with some people was thinking about splitting your day into thirds and um, trying to have one of these connections each morning, one each afternoon, one each evening, in doing that, if you're not having very many of these communications, you can at least ensure that you're having a few a day, and that's better than zero, better than one, better than two. Um, of course, for some folks, like you may have even more of these interactions, but let's say you're a person who you know lives alone, might work remotely, new at their job, whatever the case may be, like you might be lacking some of these connections on a daily basis. And so really being um, more cognizant about getting more frequent communication, the research shows can help you. So um, maybe starting small is good, but the more you can amplify this, the better. Makes sense. So um, does it have like an, well, they probably haven't studied an upper limit, like as to when you're like at the most you could possibly be, but it's just the more you can, the better. Yeah. They didn't mention an upper limit um, in the paper, but I could imagine, you know, if you're having 100, maybe 110 wouldn't be, um, you know, that Change much more much beneficial. for you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think in this instance, as they were asking people to report how many communications they had within the bounds of the sample they had, um, it seemed like uh, more was better and there wasn't like too much of a good thing effect or something like that. Um, awesome. 
And the next piece is that they did mention that people who reported more face-to-face -face communications had even better benefits for decreased stress. Um, and so um, this can be a challenge because we do communicate so much electronically. If you work remotely, trying to connect in person with folks outside of work might be a good way to help to gain these benefits. So maybe you don't have a lot of control over the extent to which you, you um, interact with people at work remotely. Um, I know Brendan works remotely and so there's, and his company's based in Sweden. So there's no way that he can have in-person conversations with his colleagues, right? But he could supplement the fact that he doesn't have those in work with some face-to-face -face conversations that happen outside of work. Um, mm -hmm. So just trying to make sure that at least some of your communications are in person can make these effects even stronger. Um, and that could be a challenge in today's environment, both socially and work-wise. But it's worth thinking about because they did find that link. I would be curious to know, and this is probably something that they haven't done, or maybe some other study has done it. Um, like, I do think that there is a difference with face-to-face -face communication. But, like, in the workplace, for example, I've found personally that, you know, if I've met the people in person and if I've had some opportunity to have in-person time, then when I go back to being remote, I feel like my conversations with those individuals are much better and much stronger um, than they were before I'd met them in person. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's some effect there. But I don't know if anybody's found it, but I'd be curious to know if like, okay, if you never met someone in person, you're always talking to them virtually. How does that play out for your well-being versus you've met somebody in person, right? Maybe it's a close friend of yours that he lives across the country and you don't see them that often. Yeah, there might be an even bigger boost when you do get to see them, but your virtual communication might be better than for somebody that you have less connection to in person. Yeah, I seem to remember um, that there might have been some research. I can't remember if we reviewed it on the um, blog or the podcast before, but for virtual teams where it's really important to do kickoff meetings and uh, things where you're just starting to communicate with a person in person, and then after that it helps to like grease the wheels of the um, remote work. So I think that's related to um, what you're saying. Um, and, and definitely, I think, would, um, you know, provide some of those benefits. Because I do think um, in a virtual environment, one thing that I notice is that things tend to be super scheduled. So when I think mm -hmm. about, like, if I have a, a day of meetings virtually, because you're not, like, in an in-person setting where people can hear you and see that you're there, but you're just, like, stuck in another meeting or whatever. I do find that people, like, tend to, like, um, like end more on time in a virtual environment and not spend as much time socializing. Whereas mm -hmm. in the office, when I go in, like, you know, we might get up at the end of a meeting and walk out of the office and be standing outside my office and talking for another five minutes. And the person I'm supposed to meet with next is standing there and they realize like, oh, she's still in a conversation. So you have like a little bit more of those like social moments that happen. So mm -hmm. I think that um, to the extent that you have more of that, like kind of in-depth connecting as people in person uh, could be helpful for kicking off those relationships or also just like a touch point every now and again to reignite those connections. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And I think there's something said about having, like in the workplace, scheduling, if you're going to have to be scheduled, scheduling some time for casual conversation where it's not just like, we're here for this one meeting and we're talking about this topic and maybe we'll say like, hey, and how are you? But it, that's, but mostly you're focusing on the topic, but having some time put aside 
um, to talk to people just as people a little bit, which can sort of, doesn't fully make up for what you just said, those like random social moments, but can kind of help augment some of that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I think that, you know, the takeaways here for people are pretty straightforward. If you're not communicating with people in some of the ways that we mentioned right now, as frequently as you could be or at all, um, just trying to increase this even a little bit. Like if at the end of the day, you realize that you haven't had a lot of meaningful conversations with people who are important to you, giving a friend a call or, um, you know, going outside and saying hi to your neighbor that you like and want to be friends with, you know, like whatever the situation is, those things can happen outside of work or they can happen inside of work. Um, work relationships are really meaningful to us in many ways. And so often these relationships do count. So if you're in person in the office, stopping down and saying hi to somebody, you know, during lunch hour can be super helpful. Or, you know, if you're working remotely, uh, trying to, you know, make those connections, um, outside of a virtual environment, if you can every now and again, or, you know, trying to have more meaningful conversations with people or socializing while you are in those interactions, even if you can't be face-to-face, -face, all of those things will help to sort of richen your communicative life in a way that should help decrease your stress. I love it. This is such a good, um, a good article with fairly easy to implement tips. Um, and I love that something as simple as just checking in with your friends can help reduce your stress. Like that's huge. Yeah, absolutely. I was really um, grateful to uh, Brian Nelson Palmer who shared this article with us because uh, we were on his podcast, uh, Productivity Gladiator, um, and had a blast. And so uh, he shared this article, thought of us, and um, and I'm glad he sent it along because usually we look for articles that take place in a workplace context, but this was so relevant to, I think, workplaces and our working lives that I just had to, I had to share it. I love it. Yay. Well, thanks, Brian. Thanks to you for reading it and sharing it with us. I think it's a really good topic. Um, again, easy to implement for everyone to be able to take away some key tips from here. So hopefully your communications are going to improve and your stress levels are going to decrease. Um, and thank you all for listening. If you want to reach us, you can find us at workerbeing.com. You can email us at contact at workerbeing.com. Find us on social. And as always, if you want to learn more about our community, find that on workerbeing.com slash community. Thanks for listening. Thriving at Work is hosted by us, Dr. Patricia Grabarek and Dr. Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson. Allie Johnson.